Good morning, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Victory family and friends. This is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in this morning, making us your church home for 29 minutes. Uh, my name is Paul Harris, and I am privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, uh, where we exist to see people reconciled to God and to each other. And what a privilege it is to steward that ministry of reconciliation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 talks about us having been reconciled to God, and then he gives us that ministry to steward here on earth. For us, that means, firstly, coming closer to Jesus, being reconciled to him, uh, and then as an extension of our being closer and, and reconciled to Jesus, then reconciling with one another. And we recognize that's a lifelong endeavor. It's one that is not without challenge, and yet it's one that God calls us to here on earth, to see his will in heaven be done here on earth, and to participate toward that end. And it is our privilege. It's an, it's an honor. It's um, every day above ground, uh, a, a joy to, to pursue uh, that vision as a part of this Victory Church family. Um, and so, again, a privilege to serve in this capacity as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, I want to give a particular shout out this morning to everyone who uh, is in fellowship with Victory. Uh, we, we have uh, not the traditional membership structure per se, but, uh, but, but we have members nonetheless, and we, we, we describe them as, having, uh, as being in fellowship with Victory, which means that they're attending here on Sunday mornings course when we're in person we're at Walker Upper Elementary they're serving on a ministry team of which there are several options and they're also in a victory group and so I want to just give a shout out to those in fellowship we love you uh, it's it's a it's uh, it's a blessing to be in community with you um, I'm reminded of, of and this is a little bit of an early digression but of, of um, just the importance of membership of committing Right. And saying, I'm going to choose this local assembly to serve and, and be with and to pray with and to praise with and to share with. Um, and I know in this environment, we're, we're, we're all kind of sharing with a lot of folks virtually. And I thank God for that opportunity to do so. Um, and I'm also reminded of how easy it could be to be a member on a roll and not be in fellowship. And so we really stress that part of being in fellowship somewhere. And again, I'm glad that you've joined us here on Sunday morning to be in fellowship. And I would even admonish you further throughout the week, whether at Victory or somewhere else, to, to find that community, to be in fellowship and not just the member on the roll, but for that membership to, to reflect a larger engagement uh, on your part. And again, at Victory, that is threefold. And, and we are privileged two years in to, to, uh, to be in fellowship in real community where folks care for each other and uh, and love the Lord and care for each other out of our love for the Lord. So I uh, didn't plan to say any of that this morning, but uh, I do thank God for you. I do thank God also for your giving. Uh, each Sunday morning, virtually we've not had the, the same um, sermonic messages that members of our team at Victory would normally give in person um, to, to help us understand more why we give as unto the Lord. We haven't done that as much in this space but we do have every Sunday the link that's posted in the chat where you can support the vision of Victory Church. And I just want to say thank you. 
because while we've not said a lot about it uh, uh, or had messages, if you will, toward that end uh, in this virtual moment, you all have faithfully given um, as unto the Lord um, and trusting us here on earth at Victory Church to steward it well. Uh, and so by now, if you have given, particularly in 2020, you should have received your giving statement um, for tax purposes. And I want to shout out Kate Martin, who assumed responsibility and, and uh, stewardship of ensuring that that happened in a, a seamless and efficient manner. And if you haven't received one and you've given, uh, please let us know by way of our Connect card and we'll make sure to get that to you. So again, thank you for giving. Thank you for partnering with what God is doing um, here in this local body, even amidst the pandemic. God is still good. Amen. Amen. Uh, a, a long front porch, if you will, but we're ready to walk into the house this morning uh, and get into the word of God. We're going to continue with our sermon series, which is entitled Victory Belongs to Jesus. Victory Belongs to Jesus. How many of you know that he's already won the battle? Um, and as we talked about last week, it's a fixed fight. And today we want to talk about coming closer. So continuing with that series uh, victory belongs to Jesus, and we'll talk about coming closer. But first, let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Book of Matthew, chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 1 through 4. Let's see. All right. As you find that, I'm just going to pray for our time this morning. God, we just thank you. Again, for the opportunity to gather virtually, what, 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 a, what a privilege. 30 years ago, I'm not sure how we would have managed, but here we are on Facebook Live in the mornings. We are on Zoom together throughout the week. We're on Zoom together. We, we were able to still connect and, uh, and to do so safely in this space and time. And so we're thankful. Uh, we're thankful even in this uh, particular season that we can extend the reach of this conversation on a weekly basis to those who don't live in Charlottesville. And, and I'm thankful for how we can all gather in this moment and be in community in, in, a, in a format where we can prayerfully be encouraged by what you say in your word, uh, where we can be trained up in righteousness and where we can find strength and peace and joy and refuge in the word of God. And so I pray today that as we share that, Lord, that you would speak, that ultimately what's in your scripture would be what comes out of my mouth, um, and that it would not just rest in our intellectual space, but drop 18 or so inches to our heart so that it can be applied to our lives and make a difference in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, um, and it reads this way. I'll be reading from the uh, New International Version. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And again, we want to title this message, Come Closer, Come, Come Closer. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago now, my wife and I did uh, the Whole 30. 
Anybody ever do Whole30? It's a, it's a, what would you call it? It's, it's a plan of sort in terms of how to um, treat your body uh, nutritionally. And this plan, I, we called it Whole Menu, to be quite honest. That's what we called it because we felt like our whole menu was stripped from us. Everything we were used to eating, the things we like to eat, it was like Whole30 said no more. Um, while similarly taking our whole paycheck to get this healthy stuff we were supposed to be eating. But anyways, Whole30, though, is what they called it. And, and the idea was to, like, I guess, take things out of your diet, and then as you reintroduce them, y'all can help me if I had it wrong, as you reintroduce them, you can get a sense for kind of what your body is, is, is embracing and maybe the things that are particularly toxic for you. And so that was kind of the idea, but, but the distractions were plenty, as you might imagine, right? And if we weren't really close to it, looking at it every day, paying attention to what had sugar in it, which, by the way, everything has sugar in it, uh, you could easily kind of find yourself distracting and off the mark, not going toward this destination of Whole30. And isn't that a true parallel for all of us in life, where if we're not following closely Jesus Christ, if we're not really leaning in, we can easily find ourselves distracted, and, and sometimes with distraction comes discouragement and and, and other things that may not be good for us. But when we come close, when we get closer to Jesus, we can find those things that we do seek in a whole 30 <laughs> uh, to be our portion. Uh, but all of us find ourselves there. And this season is certainly no different where the difficulty might even be increased in terms of coming closer to Jesus in a time where we're like, why, Jesus? Why? Why is all of this happening? It can be that much more difficult to then draw closer to the one who says, I will be your peace that passes understanding. You are still more than a conqueror. I still will work all things together for good. But if we're real, sometimes we wake up and we're like, I'm good. <laughs> Don't need to come closer today. I just want to be wherever I want to be. All of us find ourselves in that space at time. But our text that we've that we've read today, I want to kind of pull out what I believe are some underlying principles and truths uh, from the text. And, and the main one that I believe it can communicate to us today is that in order uh, to respond well, we must first follow well. And in order to follow well, we must come closer. The book of, of Matthew is uh, the first book in the New Testament. The New Testament is comprised of 27 books, the Old Testament 39 books. Matthew is the first of of four books known as the gospel or the good news, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of which tell the story of Jesus from a unique perspective and emphasizing different aspects of the life of Jesus and what Jesus came to accomplish on the earth. Uh, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known as the synoptic gospels in that they are seen together and they share a really similar structure and relate many of the same stories while John, that fourth gospel, is a bit more kind of theological in its orientation with greater stress on the identity of Jesus and the spiritual significance of his life. Um, and as a side note, I've said this before, uh, those of you at Victory have heard this, though it may have been a while, uh, that if you're, if you're new to Jesus Christ, you're new to faith, and you're just kind of figuring out, where do I start? I mean, you can start in Revelation if you really want to. It's all the Bible. It's all good. But I would encourage and recommend even the, the Gospel of John. Um, it's a really good place 
um, to start. But Matthew is where we're at today. In Matthew's gospel, it shows Jesus as the promised Messiah, the one whose death brought salvation from our sins. Matthew is writing of Jesus's birth, his life, his death on the cross, and how it fulfilled all of the promises of the Old Testament. And so now here in the text that we've read this morning, uh, the tempting or testing of Jesus has as its primary backdrop or background the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, from which Jesus quotes in his first reply to the devil in verse 4 of our text that we've read today. And so if we go back to Deuteronomy for a second, um, we, we can find there uh, that Moses is recalling how the Lord led the Israelites out of the wilderness for 40 years to then test them and see what was in their heart and whether or not they would keep his commands. Cause them to hunger, uh, feeding them with manna along the way so as to teach them that, again, mankind does not live on bread by itself. Bread is good. But mankind doesn't just live on, on, on uh, Benny's pizza, right? But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's interesting that in th those 40 years in the wilderness, um, where there was struggle, where there was, you know, all of the things that we can read about uh, related to the Israelites' disposition toward that time and the challenge associated with it. But those 40 years in the wilderness came after an amazing moment. They had just seen the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus 14, and they were freed from Egyptian bondage. Similarly, in this text today in, in the book of Matthew, um, the testing of Jesus also comes after an amazing moment, after an amazing moment. They had just, uh, well, in, in Jesus's case, he had just been baptized by John in the third chapter. Uh, and in that moment, heaven had opened up and God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. How many know that's a really good day? Jesus is saying, God is saying to himself, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. A pretty special moment. Like the Israelites had their special moment of seeing the, 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 the Red Sea parted. And it's after that that he finds himself in this space, in the, in the wilderness. Have you ever found yourself, I know I have, on the, the mountaintop of life, if you will. You're loving life. You feel like the Red Sea is just parted. Um, heavens are opening. And only moments later you find yourself in the midst of some testing. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you're... The examples are, are, are numerous, right? Maybe you've made a, met, met a, a weight goal or if, if that's part of your health plan right now and then all of a sudden somebody puts in front of you some, some home-baked apple crumb goodness, right? <laughs> and that then is your challenge. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you got, uh, uh, we, we bought a house years ago. I'll share this quick example. Um, and, and it was our first house and we were just so grateful. Like, how did we buy a house? It was this nice, you know, small little spot, but it was ours. And and then water started to rush through the floor. I mean, we didn't know where it was coming from. We didn't know it was groundwater. We were getting it tested. To this day, y'all, we still don't know where the water was coming from, right? So mountaintop, we just got this house. It's great. And then where's this water coming from? It's soaking this carpet up. We got to change the floors and it wouldn't stop. It didn't stop. <laughs> Sometimes we find ourselves in that place 
of having achieved this moment or been in this great moment, and then the testing comes. So after Jesus, again, now having been baptized by John, he's then led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And we see in our text that Jesus responded well to that testing. Again, our main point, in order to respond well, we must follow well. And in order to follow well, we must come closer, come closer. Um, And if you've ever tried to follow somebody on the road, um, kind of another sort of more concrete example, if if you follow somebody on the road, whether it's a short or a long trip, doesn't matter, but a situation where you don't know where you are going, how many know you are going to be on that person's tail the whole time? Right. You're riding them. You find rudeness in you that you didn't know was there. Nobody's merging. Nobody's getting in front of you. Why? Because you refuse to be distracted from getting to the place that only the person on the road in front of you can lead you to. Everybody on the road's doing their thing, going to their respective destination. But that person you're following has the destination that you need. And so you are not about to lose sight of them. Anybody been there? Like not even looking left. You know that person's trying to get over and you're just like, no, I'm not looking. If I don't look, they're not there. Jesus is beckoning all of us like that to come closer, to not be distracted, to not let anything squeeze in front, right? To merge in front and block our vision of where Jesus is trying to lead us. Don't let bitterness, don't let resentment, don't let unforgiveness, don't let the fleeting pleasures of life and they are fleeting and temporal, Don't let pride, don't let hurt feelings, you name it. Do not be distracted. Don't let a pandemic and the implications, the very real painful implication of such, but don't let it distract you. Don't let it distract us from coming closer. I can remember when we decided to accept the the call from from God to even start this church. And and I had mentioned to Pastor Brett, some of you have have heard, and he'll be with us in April, um, and, and over a series of conversations and talking to him about what God laid in our heart, he offered for us to join their staff, Grace Covenant Church in Chantilly, which is our sending church. And he said, you know, you should probably just come and, and, and serve with us for a couple years. Um, and, and, and then, you know, then you can kind of get going and starting the church there. But you'll have a, a better idea of, of, of what that might look like. Now, we were living in Charlottesville at the time. Right. But in all honesty, we were actually driving there every week for a while, right? Driving there, going to like two services, having dinner with folks, and, and just feeling community. We just hadn't found our space really here in Charlottesville yet. And so uh, really we were already there. And so he, Pastor Brett, when he said, you know, you might want to think about coming closer. And I thought about the fact that we were already driving every week, but then I was like, but no, but this is home. Drive it. Like, why would we move there to do that? But he said, you can learn from a distance, not a requirement, but you know, it won't be the same. You won't gain as much. And so we thought about it and we did actually move to Northern Virginia. I had a slightly longer commute uh, to Charlottesville for work, but we were able to be there on site, going to evening events in the week that we could make, being a part of community because we had experienced that in church before and we knew the importance of it. And so it was great. And yet that wasn't even what God, it was what God had for us. The training was great. It was second to none. He called us to be close to the people that we were going to build with. And yet there was more. Those of you have heard the story, you know, in those two years, my mother and my father, my biological mom, biological dad, they began to experience a significant shift in their health. We didn't see it coming. My siblings didn't see it coming. 
we we just didn't know. We didn't see it coming at all, and yet instead of two and a half hours away, which we would have been here, we were five minutes away. And when I look back on those years now, I'm think that's what overwhelms me. We were there when mom texted and said, I need you now. We were there when we had to go and help with this. We were there. There are benefits. Long way around to the front door, so forgive me for that. But there are benefits for when we come close. When we come close to Jesus, and particularly when we come close to those, to, to those that God has called us to be in community with. When we come close, there are benefits we can't even envision or see yet. Jesus is saying, come closer. Keep coming. I was just trying to do the right thing to let the Lord lead us and, and to willingly submit to this earthly authority. And in this case, Pastor Brett wasn't telling me what to do, just kind of commenting. On another front, I think of, of, uh, of in light of Black History Month, which I said we celebrate all year long, but I, I think of the Harry Belafontes and the Julian Bonds and the, the Ralph Abernathy's, the Bayard Rustin, Jesse Jackson's of the world, and um, those who, the Andrew Young's of the world. When, when I, I see the images of those who linked arms with one another as they walked, as they marched, almost visually demonstrating that, listen, nothing is going to distract us from where we are going. And distracted, they could have been. Adversity, they did experience. And I think, God, if I'm going to follow that lead too, I'm reminded we're going to have distractions too. Adversity too. Never mind the fact that, the, the and I'm grateful for the posthumous celebration of what was done, but I'm reminded of the fact that it's posthumous. In the moment, there was a whole lot of trouble and adversity. And similarly, now, as we speak truth, it won't always be celebrated maybe posthumously celebrated 50 years of now, but, but how even in following that lead might we come closer to Jesus, come closer in that case to each other such that we can go where we need to go. And when we get closer in that sense to Jesus every single day and by extension to the folks God has called us to, we can then hear Jesus a little bit more clearly such that we can follow well. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 uh, says in describing the same story that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And then being full of the Holy Spirit, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Sometimes God will bring you to trouble so you can learn how to trust him through trouble. But Jesus didn't panic, didn't fret. Instead, consecrated himself further, denying himself so that Christ could be even more honored than he was already in his life. In the midst of the wilderness, fasted 40 days and 40 nights, leaving him, as you might imagine, quite hungry. He took on human flesh so he would feel what we would feel if we fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and yet, and in that moment, there was this temptation that was certainly likely to succeed, probably for most of us, that Satan put before him first. Fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Satan going to come right to the door of wherever you are probably experiencing some weakness, just by parenthetical. He says, look, Jesus, why don't you uh, show us your power here? Make yourself, you know... Uh, some chicken and waffles. Because chicken and waffles, if you didn't know, are it's an anointed, 
it's an anointed meal here at, at Victory Church. But um, wherever we live, in fact, there has to be some good chicken and waffles. But, uh, but, but why don't you turn these stones into bread, Satan says, if you would be God, if you can show that power now. And Jesus, though, comes back succinctly with a declaration of scripture. It is written, man shall not live on chicken and waffles alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And when we're following Jesus closely, sometimes we don't even have, dare I say, we should not make a whole lot of time for long conversations with the voices that are chirping in our ear, with the bird that is flying over our head, the thoughts of, of, of it not being worth it to follow Jesus anymore, the thoughts of it not being worth it to be on earth anymore, the thoughts that cross our mind about whatever it is that is in direct contradiction to God's word. There doesn't need to be a long conversation because it's in those moments that almost like Adam and Eve, they had a conversation way too long with the serpent. Too long. We didn't need to even go back and forth. Just, it is written. Succinctly declaring the word of God and bouncing. <laughs> in order to respond well, we have to follow well. And in order to follow well, we have got to come closer. And when we come closer... When we come closer, that's when we also can find ourselves embracing those difficult words in the midst of a pandemic. Those difficult words that God speaks to us through his word that at various times in life can be, or at all times, depending on the word, are particularly difficult to swallow. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, for your notes, it says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. How many wake up every day saying, God, show me the opportunity to love my enemies? <laughs> like, uh, I want to. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, which says, if you're angry with a brother, you are guilty of murder. I didn't say nothing, didn't put them on blast on Facebook. Yeah, what's in your heart? <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in him and do not lean on your own understanding. Okay. Okay, God. <laughs> I, I, I'll trust you. When we come closer to Jesus, we might... Even start trusting Jesus a bit more with other words like Philippians 4 and 19, which says he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Anybody need to embrace that word a little bit more in this season? Ephesians 3 uh, uh, and 20, it says we are his workmanship. Even if we've been told everything to the contrary in our childhood or maybe even adulthood, maybe even a significant other, God help us. We are his workmanship. God, can we trust that? Romans 8 and 28 that says you will work all things, not some. You'll work all things, even this pandemic and the, the immense loss we've already experienced. God, I don't know how, but I trust your word. I'm coming closer so that I can trust you even in moments where it really, really doesn't make any sense whatsoever. My marriage, how in the world, but I'm close and I trust you. My children... I, I don't get how they're going to come back to you, but I'm closer to you and I'm trusting you and I'm trusting your word. First John four and four, which says greater is you in me than he who is in the world. Even when it feels like I'm getting overwhelmed by those around me, I've got greater on the inside of me. Isaiah 54 and 17, that says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Romans 8 and 39 says, there is nothing that shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So when the bird flies over and it says you're unlovable, 
And that bird could be somebody maybe telling you you're unlovable or thoughts of the past and experiences. And it says there's no way somebody can love you that much after what you've done and what you've been through. You're damaged goods. We know the thoughts that might cross. Can we be real for a moment when we're not around anybody else? In the midnight hour, perhaps those thoughts will cross. God, as I come closer to you, help me to trust what it is that you have to say. That nothing will ever separate me from your love. Jesus said, bread is good. Chicken and waffles is good. Get you some. If Mark Menifee can cook you some waffles from scratch, even better. If Goko can provide the chicken, even better. Eat it. But know that it's not just about that. I've got so much more for you. And what I have for you, your life really depends on. Last week, we talked about our victory not depending on our capacity. And what God has for us, the commands that come out of his mouth, that is what leads to victory belongs to Jesus. So whether you're trying to, in this season, figure out retirement in the middle of a pandemic, trying to figure out your major in college as you're taking these distance classes, trying to get a feel for content and professors you like, whatever the situation might be, wherever you find yourself, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9, there is nothing new under the sun. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And his word, 2 Timothy 3 and 16, is as just useful today as it was then and forevermore. It will be for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training up in righteousness. And so as I close, I'm a few minutes over. That long front end <laughs> got me. But as we close this morning, how are you going to come closer this week? What will it look like for you to come closer to Jesus? Is there somebody you need to forgive this week, today? Somebody you need to text right now. Somebody you need to... Uh, 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 a call and maybe, you know, say thank you to. Maybe there's a setting aside of time on a daily basis. Somehow that rhythm has gotten a little shaken up in the pandemic. And I get it. There's hardly a rhythm that I've found in this space and time. And yet, maybe this week for you, it's I'm going to set aside time every day to spend time in my Bible and in prayer. And if you've already been doing that, maybe you'll say in prayer this week, I'm not going to talk as much. I'm just going to listen. I don't know. Whatever it looks like for you this week to come closer. How will you? I imagine, and it's not much of a, a, a thought experiment because we believe God's word can be a re reality for us today. But as we come closer to Jesus, I imagine, uh, especially when times are hard, that we'll experience a steady stream of God's word coming to our house, our temple our physical house you live in, to the house of our community, to the house of Victory Church, such that we can live in such a way, we can respond in such a way that God gets the glory and the lives around us are changed. Victory belongs to Jesus. So let's come closer. Let's come closer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the time we've had this morning. We thank you for the word of God throughout this month's series of victory belonging to you and the ways we can further unpack that reality in our life, knowing that it doesn't rest on the circumstances, but it rests on the circumstance of over 2000 years ago, what you accomplished on the cross. You lived the life we should have lived, died a death we should have died in our place, and then three days later rose again. It's because of that that now we can walk in victory. Help us, though, 
to come closer so that we can really follow you well and not be distracted by what's on the left or the right. And in following you well, then to respond well to the challenges, the squeezing, the adversity, the tempting and the testing of life. Some of which is our own doing, but some of which we just might be led by you into. Help us, Lord, in the midst of wherever we find ourselves to trust you through it. And if you're hearing this for the first time and have yet to even accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can raise your hand on the altar of your heart in your living room and kitchen right now. And I would direct your attention to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, which says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you are saved. I can't confirm that, but the scripture is as such. If you confess and you believe in your heart, we believe you're saved at your kitchen table today. And if that is your declaration, the Bible then says that we can join the angels in heaven in rejoicing over that amazing, great decision. And there is never a bad time to make a great decision. And if you've made that decision this morning, or if you are rededicating your life, maybe you made a decision before, but your life kind of doesn't look anything like a, a disciple of God ought to look, which I'm not saying is perfection because it's not, but you know that you've not quite been intentionally following Jesus the way you could have. If you rededicated your life today, that celebration, that, 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 that uh, enthusiasm and joy is shared with you as well. And if you'd like to know next steps in that journey, please fill out a connect card. It's in the chat. It's an electronic card. You let us know you made that decision. We'll send you a free gift in the mail and all of that. That'll share with you how we can walk out this life of faith. And it is a life of victory. Not a storm-proof one, as we often say, but I'm sorry, not a storm-free one. <laughs> I mean, no, we go through stuff in life, but a storm-proof one, yeah. God's given us an umbrella. We're going to get a little wet. Yeah, that's life. Jesus allows us to go through it in such a way that we can experience his joy and his peace everlasting. Amen. Amen. I've gone over a little bit this morning. Thank you for your enduring. Um, and I pray that the word of God blessed you this morning. Family, let's live in victory. Love you much.